Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. I was going to say welcome in, but I guess since we're doing mailbag stuff this week, it's kind of a welcome back every day, couple of days on the pod. Doesn't matter. Hello. We'll give you the Uncle Leo. Hello. Welcome to the show. It's Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. It's a sports ethos presentation. I'm your host, Dan Bespris. And as I said, I'm going to do and I'm going to continue to do it. Thank you guys again for listening all off-season long, just absolutely obliterating the biggest month in the history of the off-season. Every month this happens is another month that I can celebrate it happening, and that's all thanks to everybody out there just still listening. You're all loony bins, just like me, and I love it. Yesterday, we talked a whole bunch about guys coming back from uh, either catastrophic injuries or sort of next to those, whatever catastrophic adjacent to missing most of the season and kind of how that might impact ADP. But as I also mentioned on that show, that was a question that came from kind of quote unquote inside the building. I want to go to the questions that came in from the actual mailbag tweet that went out and start working our way through some of those with, we might have a show where we kind of lightning rounded a little bit. And frankly, there might be some questions in there that I haven't finished researching yet. So if I jump over yours, it's probably not because I didn't see it. It's probably because I'm going to get to it on a later episode of this podcast. I don't have every answer yet, and that's okay. Reminder once again, Fantasy NFL is upon us here at Sports Ethos. It's all part of the same Fantasy Pass, which, in case you guys forgot, comes with the Brewski 150 For the NBA season, it has the NBA draft guide in there, the B-150. It'll have all the NBA in-season content, the premium Discord, access to the the pro Q&A. And then, of course, now it has football in it as well. This launched yesterday on Wednesday. By the way, this is off-season episode 79. And I would strongly suggest you all follow Ethos Fantasy FB or me, at Dan Vespers, or Ethos Fantasy BK, or just Sports Ethos on Twitter. We will be hitting you all relentlessly with news of this expansion into NFL. It's an unbelievably huge step for the website. I'm excited. Our staff is excited. Awesome work by Steve and his, his guys on that football division. I know JP's been had a big role in that. He's the host of Fantasy NFL today here at Sports Ethos. Great work by the guys. Please go check that out. Get yourself a fantasy pass. Get the football stuff now. Rank lists, sleepers, all the good stuff. You know, the things you need. And then when NBA stuff starts to drop, it just gets added into that. That's at sportsethos.com. You just hover over the premium tab. It's all pretty straightforward. We've, we've redone a lot of the menuing on the website to make that a little bit easier to find. A lot of it easier to find, actually. So please do check that out. And if you're just hearing this now that we're expanding into other major sports, hit me up on Twitter, at Dan Bespers. We are recruiting for football and baseball and always basketball and DFS and wagering. And we're always looking to bring in the next big thing. It could be you. 
to the mailbag. I uncinch it here on the podcast. I want to try to do sort of the big overarching questions first. The ones that could segue into a full-length podcast. Oh, by the way, uh, Yahoo actually opened their leagues yesterday in the afternoon. I was talking about how I thought it would be a couple weeks longer, and then pow, there they are. They've got their preliminary preseason rank board up, and everybody's throwing a fit about it, but look, it's going to change within the next two days, probably. I don't think they're even going to wait. Like they, They just got this out, and it didn't even look like it was done. But we'll talk about that probably next week, if I had to guess, which is great because I was trying to bridge the gap to this type of stuff, and then you'll get ADP data a week or two after that once they actually start having fantasy drafts. Right now, they're just sort of reopening leagues, so they really, like, I I don't really think that they were ready. Trey Young is three in the preseason rank board. Which, look, like he finished at four by totals last year, so that number is not insane, but then you also have to remember that DeJounte Murray's in town, and um, he's uh, nowhere to be found in that upper echelon. So they're basically, this rank board is just saying that DeJounte's just like not going to get to touch the basketball in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. Uh, so we'll get to that. That'll be next week's stuff. Back into the mailbag, though. I uncinched it. And one of the, uh, the biggest ones that we will also get into soon, Ernest, shout out to Ernest Tan, who submitted the question, who are the safest picks in the second round of a head-to-head league next year? We're going to get into second round stuff. Don't worry, we're gonna, we're, we'll do that when we get into buckets. So, Ernest, not ignoring you. That question is one that we will get to, just not as part of the mailbag. That'll, we'll get to that as part of our kind of regularly scheduled program here on the show. So I wanted to start instead with this question from Dr. Strangelove, who's uh, <laughs> David Robinson is the, the avatar. It, it's, a, it's a real mishmash of, of uh, handles put together. I, I love uh, longtime uh, sports ethos follower. I know that. Um, and the question is, well, there were actually two, but the one I want to pull out is, which teams do you like for fantasy going into next season? I love this question because there were teams this last year where you didn't even have someone inside the top 100 on a per-game basis. So it is actually kind of important to handicap this particular question from a few different angles. Angle number one is, what do we know about that team just in terms of like how they play? So yes, obviously a team that values offense and pace is going to be a team that moves a little bit higher on your board. And the inverse of that is also true, or is it the converse, where a team that is defensive-minded plays slowly, that team will probably be a little bit lower on your board. Not, not, not Like, you don't just put them at the bottom. Because the Celtics were a defensive-minded team, and, you know, Tatum was a first-rounder, and the Time Lord was... Second rounder per game, a little dinged up, yeah. And then Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, and Al Horford. They had five very good fantasy players last year just by being a defensive team. So it's not a one-to-one correlation. It's just kind of a starting point. Maybe more importantly, ingredient number two in this little team handicapping stew 
And by the way, anytime I talk about making a stew, I can't help but think of uh, Arrested Development. <laughs> it's just a... Oh, Carl Weathers. Hopefully you guys uh, watched that show and you guys definitely know who Carl Weathers is, but he's always talking about making a stew. The team handicapping stew, you look at pace as part of it. You look at kind of what they did last year. That's part of it. Expectations for this year. That's part of it. And then sort of the storyline about the team is, a, is also part of it. So a, a team like the Blazers, we talked about Dame a bit on yesterday's show, is a team where the storyline turned hard in the wrong direction last year. And you know, pace-wise, everything was fine. And uh, looking at the previous year, everything was fine. But we had Dame's abdomen trying to play through it. didn't happen. And so the whole thing just came apart. Now, storyline-wise, that's a team that's going to be fighting in the middle of the playoff picture in the Western Conference this coming year. By middle, I mean probably like between 8 and 5. Maybe more like between 10 and 5, depending on how everything shakes out. But suffice it to say, storyline-wise, that's actually a really good, that's a positive. You put a little plus in your storyline column. And you can kind of make this binary as we work through our handicapping. Like, is this a fast team? Okay, if they are, they get a little plus. Is this a team that has a good storyline? Give them a little plus. Is this a team that has sort of proven fantasy assets? Give that a little bit of a plus. And if everything shakes in the right direction, that becomes a team that you look at a little bit more. Playoff schedule, if you're in head-to-head, would be another thing that you could look at and maybe do like a half star for that one. Make it worth, instead of a full star, it's worth a half. Since a lot can change, players move, people get hurt. But that should be also be on your radar for teams that you look at. I think it's probably more important at the beginning of your draft to look at teams you might want to eliminate. So a team that has a bad playoff schedule for head-to-head. You can put a little minus there. A team where uh, the storyline stinks for fantasy purposes for whatever reason, whether it's finals hangover, so the Warriors would fall into that bucket, the Celtics could potentially fall into that bucket, but they're pretty young. We saw the Bucks kind of fall into that. Suns for a little bit, and then all of a sudden they just went nuts last year, so that didn't really happen. But then there's also teams on the other side. Tank teams are bad storylines. I think we can feel pretty safe saying Oklahoma City is going to tank another a season away. So a lot of the guys on that team who, and they have more of them now, Holmgren's interesting, and you know Shea's been interesting, and Giddy, as he gets better, he'll be interesting. But do any of them see the light of day from mid-March to the end of the season? So there's the negative storyline teams as well. And you roll that all together into our delicious handicapping soup, and that's how you come to the teams that you either like or don't like. And I think the ones you like, sure, you can like, you could elevate those guys just a little bit in your draft, but I think for the most part, those are ones, at least in the early rounds, you just sort of leave them where they were. You rank them and you leave them. If the storyline is good, if the stew is good, forget the storyline, let's we'll talk about the whole bucket. If the stew is good... What do you make a stew in? A crock pot? <laughs> sure. If the crock pot's delicious, 
For the guy you wanted to draft in the second round, great. You just leave him. Be comfortable with taking him in the second round. If the crockpot's messed up for the guy that you were looking at in the second round, that's an opportunity to move that player down or out. Whereas on the flip side of this, as you get to like the sixth, seventh round, probably not the fifth, I think six, seven, eight, beyond, that's a place where you can start to elevate the players who have a delicious crockpot. I don't feel bad, by the way, about using this absurd metaphor all the way through the podcast. Get used to it, folks. <laughs> Saddle up, partner. Steal a line from Dumb and Dumber. Saddle up. So you can just do this division by division, and that is what we'll do right now. And it might end up being our show today, because I do think this is actually a really important concept. And now that we've made it most of the way through agents, through free agency, big trades still hanging in the balance... We can have a pretty good idea of what teams fit the correct profiles. A team like the Celtics, for instance, and, and we'll just start with Boston because I'm looking at the Atlantic Division and, and they're the first team alphabetically in the Atlantic. I think they're the second team alphabetically in the league behind Atlanta, but whatever. The Celtics. Is there a storyline element? Yeah, probably a slight negative. If they trade for Kevin Durant, perhaps that adjusts. But right now... That's a team that knows they're good. They're going to win a bunch of regular season games because at the moment, they are pretty much the same, and they added Malcolm Brogdon, so that's only going to help. And I don't think they're going to have to go full throttle all season long. You might see some of the players take a couple extra days off, but overall, they're a decent storyline team, but not good. Average, maybe slight negative if you think there's any kind of finals hangover. What about the last year column? Well, the last year was great for Boston. We got to see uh, five players on the Celtics register per game value inside the top 80. Time Lord, 13. Jason Tatum, 15. Horford, 47. Jalen Brown, 63. Marcus Smart, 80. So that's a good one. And that's a team where we don't even need to worry about the pace because we already know what all these guys are going to do. And the Brogdon thing, who does that impact? Derek White? I don't think it's going to carve much into the main dudes on that team. They're established. That team's set. So overall, Celtics are a team where you look at it, you're like, all right, fine. Like, overall, this is fine. I don't have any big, fat red flags. Brooklyn? Well, <laughs> That one's sort of impossible right now. We're going to skip Brooklyn for the time being. The Knicks, the New York Knicks, they added Jalen Brunson. They're in the running for Donovan Mitchell. That's a team that missed the playoffs last year, but fought almost until the very end, basically until they were mathematically eliminated, and then they started pulling guys out of the lineup. And we know enough about the Knicks to know they're not good enough to to safely avoid the play-in. Maybe they get past it. Maybe. But more than likely, that's going to be a team that's just busting it for that, like, seven seed all season long, trying their their butts off. So from a storyline standpoint, I think the Knicks are actually a really good story this year, fantasy-wise. The actual story, we don't know. How it all turns out, whatever. But the main guys... No, most, you know, Jalen Brunson coming in and playing a big role here, and then Randall's still around. Mitchell Robinson signed an extension, and, you know, Isaiah Hartenstein is hanging out in the wings a little bit. But that's a team that's going to be pushing 
all season long. That's a that's a good fantasy crockpot. And so we'll we'll kind of lightning round this thing a little bit, but because I, I want to get more to like what do we do with this type of stuff? Uh, let's find a team. I'd like to juxtapose a team like the Knicks to a team that that I feel has not as great of a, a fantasy situ- situation, and you know might be team like the Suns, which is sort of weird to say, but they're probably going to be rolling along in the top two or three in the Western Conference, like usual. But also at the same time realizing, look, we can't exhaust ourselves in the regular season. I honestly don't know what the Suns put their meltdown on in the playoffs last year. Usually you can look at something and say that was the problem, but they didn't really change at all. Chris Paul just gets a little bit older. I mean, from a storyline standpoint, I don't know that Phoenix has to go full throttle all season long. I thought that this last year, and then they kind of did anyway. So maybe they surprised me in that regard. What about the Spurs? They got all these really cool young guys now that DeJounte Murray got traded and Derek White got moved last year. That's a team where you're looking at it and you're thinking, all right, a tank is really a possibility here. The tank teams have negative stories. The teams at the very top that might rest someone for a little bit have kind of negative stories. What do we do with that information? Oklahoma City is the easiest one. Let's just pivot back there because it's the easiest example to use. Because the Spurs, like, there isn't an established fantasy stud on that team because they got rid of both of their primary ball handlers last year. With Oklahoma City, there is. And it's Shea Gilgis-Alexander. So compare, just for a moment, a situation like OKC with a situation like the Knicks. And it's not at all the same because, you know, Shea, from a fantasy stat set standpoint, is in much better position than someone like a Jalen Brunson. Shea, 25 or 25 points last year. Yeah, maybe Brunson averages 25 points as well, and maybe Brunson averages six assists as well. But he's not catching Shea in rebounds, steals, blocks, field goal percent. He probably won't catch him. I get No, that's, that's unfair. Uh, Brunson had a really good field goal percent in Dallas. It's possible he holds that in New York. And Brunson's going to be a lot better as sort of a main guy, but he doesn't get defensive stats. He doesn't shoot the three ball, which Shea also kind of doesn't do, but, you know, a little bit, little bit better. And so then you sort of stack these guys against one another and say, all right, look, here's where I'm coming at you from this thing. Jalen Brunson last year was number 99, and he took about 13 shots per game. Average 16 points and five assists, 0.8 combined steals and blocks, which is absurdly low. And also notable that the block total was effectively zero. I think he had like one all season. Something crazy low. Shea had .8 in just blocks alone. 2.1 combined. There just isn't that safety net on the Brunson side. But, to Brunson's credit, his number of shots per game is going up. He's not going to take whatever it was, whatever the hell I just said in Dallas last year, 12 and and .8. That's going to go up. It'll be 14 and something or 15 and something in New York. And that's a big deal. Because he's efficient, and right now he was at 16 points on around 13 shots. So, you know, one point, one, like one and a quarter, roughly-ish. So if that goes up to 16 shots, per se, then you're talking about an over 20-point-per-game score. 
cool. The assists are probably going to go up from 4.8. That'll probably be closer to 6, like Shea. Rebounds, I don't think, changes very much. Threes, maybe those go up a little bit. Maybe that gets him in a dead heat with Shea. And maybe Brunson is a better foul shooter than Shea, and maybe they're pretty close in field goal percent. So all that stuff is a possibility. But where he'll never catch him is the defensive side. But let's just ignore that for a second and and forget about the actual names attached to these players and instead just talk about the situation. It's not about a head-to-head thing because head-to-head value per game, Shea's going to win. Brunson's not catching him. He's not going third round per game. Brunson could very easily win the totals battle between the two guys, But again, I don't want to make this discussion about a 1v1 comparison. It's about this particular player in whatever spot they're going. So let's say hypothetically, because we don't have ADP data on these guys to know exactly where they're going to be. What I can say is that Yahoo has Shea pre-ranked at 28 right now. So higher than his per game last year. Perhaps there's this hope that maybe he'll you know get cooking a little bit and yahoo has jalen brunson i don't even i don't know where i've i can't find him is he earlier i've lost it where the heck are you brunson i i don't even think he's in the top 100 on their pre-ranks right now i thought i would find him quicker and now he's he's mia where the hell is jalen brunson on this list oh he's pre-ranked 132 That's going to change, by the way. He'll end up earlier than that. Because, again, he was inside the top 100 in Dallas behind Luka taking 22 shots a game. We know Jalen Brunson, even in Dallas when there wasn't a Luka and he wasn't sort of the guy, was, you know, more like a top 70 type of player. So, you know, pretty safe to say he'll get somewhere in that range. Let's just say hypothetically that Jalen Brunson is getting drafted around 70 and Shea is getting drafted around 30. I feel like I've screwed this up because I've made the answer maybe too easy. But when you're looking at what to do with these players, you are looking back at this team handicap, which is, okay, New York, likely to play games all season long. Great, that's good for Brunson. That's going to help his totals. He played 79 games last year, so we know he can handle it. Looking at OKC, all right, the punt or the, uh, the tank is still potentially in full effect. But that doesn't mean necessarily that I'm going to bump Brunson higher on my board because all these factors point to a positive. Because, again, we've seen what the Knicks can do to teams' offense. Like, if Julius Randle doesn't relinquish any control, you might see Jalen Brunson sit at that top 100 point he was in Dallas all over again. Just, like, replicate it. Maybe one extra shot at a lower percentage, and he stays where he's at. But what you can do with that team handicap is look instead at the Shea side and say, okay, this guy's going pretty early, but I've got all these factors that are pulling me in the opposite direction. The players that I think you should probably be looking at from the where does the team handicap actually help them are the ones that maybe you look in like the 50 to 70 range, which is... uh, Spots where maybe you bump a guy up just a little bit. And I realize that some of this feels, 
I, I don't know, a touch arbitrary. But I don't think that you want to take a team that seems like it has kind of a winning crockpot or a winning stew here and just magically start elevating players. Basically, what you're doing at that point is you're saying, okay, things are going according to plan because you've handicapped for these things. It's not like you handicapped, I don't know what the hell player is going between 50 and 70 this year. Uh, I don't know, Lonzo, Tobias Harris. Come on, we know he's going in that range this year. So Tobias Harris, let's say he goes around 60, which, you know, that's around where he was and, and so on and so forth. We'll take him because you know we're going to end up with him this year after he he underperformed a little bit. Was still durable, though. Not the point. Not the point. We know Tobias Harris is going to go between 50 and 70 this year without even batting an eye. We know this. But let's say you like Philadelphia's situation. I don't know that I do necessarily. I think they're going to be good, and I think they're going to need to keep their stars somewhat healthy. So there will be intermittent rest days, but they're probably not going to do Embiid and Harden at the same time. So Harris is going to have slightly depressed usage. So let's say we handicap Tobias Harris to be kind of in that 60 to 70 per game range, something like that. And let's say the 76ers, you say, okay, well, you know, uh, stats-wise, there's no huge red flags. Narrative-wise, there's no huge red flags. What did they do last year? It's a small red flag, but not a big one. Okay, fine. We've actually already handicapped that stuff into what we think is going to happen with a player like Tobias Harris. When you look at his numbers, you're like, okay, well, here's the re- here are the good and the bad. Does he play a lot of ball games? Yeah, he's generally pretty durable. What's the storyline for the team that he's on? Uh, like, is he a guy that needs to rest a bunch of games? No. Is this a team that's going to be hunting for uh, home court? Yes. Um, what happened last year? Not great stuff. You've already handicapped that. The only reason why... I shouldn't say the only, that's not fair. But the reason that this team handicapping angle, which, again, great question, by the way. It sent us off on this really long discussion. The team handicap should be used to eliminate things from your list. It should not really be used to add things to your list because you should have already assessed it. It's kind of like when, really, it's a lot like for sports betting, that type of handicapping. Because someone's like, oh, well, you know, the Bulls are playing the Celtics today and Zach Levine is out. So I'm going to bet on the Celtics. That's already cooked into the number. The number that Vegas put out already assessed the fact that whatever key player is either in or out of the lineup. When we handicap a player, we are also handicapping the team they're on. It would be really bad for business if we handicapped players without thinking about their situation. That would be like handicapping DeJounte Murray and just saying he's going to do the same thing as last year. We know that's not true. His situation is dramatically different. So take a team on a really fast-paced offense from last year. Um, I don't know who the hell played a ton of offense last year and almost no defense at all. <laughs> I guess it was the Lakers, but they're terrible. Um, the Timberwolves played pretty fast. 
Pelicans played pretty fast. Rockets played pretty fast. All right, great. Like, you've already assessed these things. So when you break down a team like this, what teams am I looking for? The answer is none. We did a long podcast to get to that answer. What teams am I looking for to draft players? The answer is none. What teams am I looking to avoid players? The answer is not none. That's the place where you need to sort of make your hay. Okay, as we talked about earlier in the show, the Knicks have a much better storyline this year. So, where uh, if they, let's say, hadn't gotten any new players in, and they were running it back with a team that missed the playoffs by a bunch, that would be a team that I'd probably bump down my board. Tanking teams, you bump down your board. Teams at the very, very top, you can sometimes bump down your board if you think it's going to be a situation where they'll rest guys at the end. That type of stuff all does come into play. But teams that seem like things are just going to be good... A high, a high tempo team. Take the the Pelicans are probably going to play fast again. Odds are, we don't know for sure, but odds are the Hornets. That's a team that went really fast last year. Odds are they're going to play fast again. But that's not a reason to look at the Hornets and say, "Oh, everybody on this team gets a bump over what we handicapped them." No, we handicapped them based on the team they're on already. But if we learned that. No, I guess, I don't know, I guess nothing is set in stone there. Um, they got a new coach out that way. Weird, strange stuff. Uh, I mean, that's a reason to maybe bump them down a little bit, but that's not a reason to avoid a player. So when you're handicapping a team, just to, again, kind of put a bow on this thing, you are looking for situations to avoid, not necessarily situations to exploit, because we find those based on individual player characteristics. And yes, the team they're on does come into play, but it's only one small part of the equation. Great question. Great question. Tomorrow, we will do one more... No, you know what? Screw that. Tomorrow, we're going to take a dabble into the Yahoo numbers, and then Monday, we'll come looping back around to some more uh, mailbag stuff. Because I know the weekend shows, they just need to be a little bit more grandiose And Yahoo's numbers are grandiose right now. Hey, go get a fantasy pass. It's time for me to ram that crap down your throat. It's good, man. It's good. Get a fantasy pass. It's got football in it now. It will have basketball in it when our draft guide drops in less than four weeks. It'll have the Brewski 150 in it. It'll have all of our in-season premium stuff, live Q&A podcasts, Q&A forum threads, Discord events, All the premium stuff is in the Fantasy Pass. The price did not go up, even though we added a bunch of stuff to it. Off-season stuff, we added a whole bunch. More Dynasty coverage this year. Amazing work by all those guys, Rhett and Steve and the crew. Eric, I think he's been doing some as well. The Fantasy Pass is better than ever, and it's added a whole extra sport. $5.99 a month. Go get it today. Don't wait until the, the basketball stuff gets in it. Get it for football, too. Check it out. You'll be happy you did. I'm Dan Bass for Off-Season Episode 79. Dunzo. We'll see you guys tomorrow for the weekend show. Later. Later.